The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Brief. I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, coming to us from a very different time zone, which we'll jump into here in just a minute. It's a returning guest that we're excited again to have here. Julie Parker, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. We love it when um, we have people from overseas coming to see us. Um, you're with um, JulieParkerPracticeSuccess.com. Um, I'll get that out there right now. A terrific website. I was looking through it before our, our, we started recording. Um, Tell me, Julie, how did you get involved in dentistry? Tell me how this became something that you became an expert in. Certainly, Patrick, and thanks so much for having me on your program again. I really do appreciate it. And I first became, a, it got into the dental industry because I was thrown out of school at the age of 17. And back then, <laughs> you could become a dental assistant or a hairdresser. So I went Ooh. down the dental assistant path. And then, like many people in my position in that era, loved it and have spent my whole career in it. Uh, in 2003, when I was 33, uh, I became the first non-dentist to buy a dental practice in Australia, had that for 10 years, wow. loved every second of it. And for the past nine years have been a dental consultant. So I've been going one-on-one -on -one into practices, helping them with their business systems, team management, patient management. And that's flipped more so online as well. I've had online courses for a while, I've now got the club membership, which is an online membership for dental practice owners and managers to tap into a whole bunch of different resources as well. And other bits and pieces, we, we tend to come across these wonderful opportunities, you know, and amongst all the COVID situation, I think everyone's very used to online stuff nowadays, which has really helped that arm of my business as well. Yeah, it's, it's certainly helped tremendously with a lot of things. It's hurt in some ways too, but I got to go back to something that you said. Non-dentist, you own a practice at the age of 33. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's unheard, right? I mean, you said it's obviously the first in Australia, but you also did it at 33 years old. And I know women mature way earlier than men do. There's no arguing about that. As far as I'm um, <laughs> that's really young, especially when you're not a dentist. So you haven't worked as a dentist, but here you are opening up practice. And I've got to imagine that takes... Uh, a lot of resources, right? And a lot of ingenuity. It's got to be a very hard thing to do. So um, kudos to you for doing that. I think we could have 10 episodes on that subject. Um, I think a lot of what's going on, and let me just, for our, our guests that are listening, or our listeners all over the world, a lot of what's going on in Australia is happening in the States or in Canada or in the UK. It really doesn't matter. What are some of the problems that you see dentists facing right now and practices facing worldwide? Well, you would have heard this from everybody that recruitment's a massive issue in all of our countries. Yeah. And everyone's talking about the great resignation. I doubt that it's all the reasons that people are espousing at the moment, things like uh, people finding a way of making money off from their hobbies and flipping into these kind of hobby businesses. I know for me, my businesses have never been a hobby. When I struck out as an entrepreneur, dental practice consultant, it took years before I was making an adequate wage where I could just 
throw all other avenues of making money away. So I'm not quite sure how you can do that when maybe your, you know, the hobby that you're doing is bonsai, <laughs> gardening or things like sure. that. I think there's been uh, elements of the dental practice industry that do make it a stressful place to work. And that's one of the reasons why people have opted out for other industries possibly. And I think that the industry used to be filled with people like me, unskilled, when I say uneducated, not university educated, and we fell into the right. industry, but then realized that we love it. And it didn't necessarily mean that we had bad work, work ethics or anything like that. And it used to be filled with us, you know, people just like me. And I think nowadays, wonderfully, there are so many opportunities for people to return to school later on or do online training or fall into industries where they are paying for your training that it's no longer an attraction or keeping the people like me in it. They may, they may fall into it, but then they go off into hygiene or they go off into entrepreneurship or they go off into a range of other things. So I think there's been a, several reasons why, but we are in a position where we need to really, you know, as employers pull uh, big girl boots on and figure out what is it that we need to do to bring people back into the industry, making an attractive place to be, mm. but also how can we reduce down the stress from the operational side of things to make sure people aren't just running screaming from the industry because they find it so stressful. Yep. And you're going to tell us how to do that in just a second. I want to add to that a little bit. Um, when people talk about the great resignation, um, I, you know, I work with practices like you do on my ears to the ground and I, there are some practices that, you know, they lost an employee who went to a different industry, um, or they lost them to another practice. Um, that is happening. Um, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, this person decided to move here or they moved from, you know, here in Denver, it's very expensive. They moved to Idaho where it's way cheaper and, uh, you know, the other spouses, uh, working from home. Um, and they don't have to work anymore. I've heard, I've, I've heard that, um, but it is really rare that you actually hear that someone just quit. Like there's not households with people who both had jobs three years ago and now they're not working anymore and collecting some type of money that we're not aware of, right? I mean, people aren't working. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is yeah. that so many industries are suffering with this low pool of recruit of people available to do the work. On top of that, people still have mortgages. They still got all their bills to pay. So to say that for you know several reasons, five, six reasons why they're no longer actually in the workforce doesn't really cut it with me. I think there's other things at play, but that could be another conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I, and it can be. But um, and, and I'm sure, and hopefully it is. I'd love to have you back. The um, so let's just jump into it. So how do you um, either keep keep the love that you have? Um, right, the the people that you have, or keep the love that you find. Right, two great books. If anyone hasn't re uh, read any one of those, has nothing to do with dentistry or employees, um, but it's certainly about holding on to things that are really valuable to you. So, how do you do it? What are the tricks? What are the tips? Well, one of the values that I tend to speak to dental practices a lot about, because I think it's something that can really build great resilience in your team and make you an employer of choice moving forward as well, is developing within your team culture, within your business, this value of growth. And we all have a thought to ourselves, oh yeah, growth, that sounds good. Let's bring growth into the way we do things here or into our personal lives as well. But quite often, 
we like the thought of growth, but we hate the journey of growth and we resist the journey of growth. And what Tony Robbins yeah. talks about this, can I constant and never ending improvement, bringing this into play in our personal lives, of course, there's obvious benefits to that. We get better and better at what we do. We become more competent with more competency. We develop great self-confidence with great self-confidence. We take on more new and interesting things and our experience of life is beautiful because we feel like we're progressing. So we're quite happy in that space. But to bring in the value of growth into a dental team and to really foster that, you really need to embrace the journey of growth. And I brought it down to four main areas that we need to discuss as a team, do some learning around as a team and implementing this is the way we do things here. So we are keeping the industry interesting for the team members so they want to keep hanging around they feel like in this mm. practice with this value of growth i'm getting better i'm getting more competent which taps into one of our main drivers that daniel pink spoke about in his book drive mastery is one of our core drivers we want to get better at what we do and in this practice i get to do that but also when you are appealing to the few number of applicants that are applying for jobs at the moment, you really need to stand out and say, coming here is going to be different. Your career looks different. Your level of growth looks different. The, your own self-confidence working here will be stronger and developed in comparison to anywhere else as well. So I think it can be a, a lovely recruitment tool as well if you communicate that effectively via your Facebook page, Instagram page, website, etc. So when applicants are researching the practices that they're turning up for job interviews for, you are clearly stating to them, this is what you'll experience here. Sure. That makes a ton of sense. Um, let's kind of just step back for just a little bit. You, you did talk about keeping it interesting, right? Um, mm -hmm. Making it kind of fun. You are, you know, if you are a dental assistant, probably not that much has changed for you um and what you've been doing the last two three four five six ten years and that can get old no matter what right it doesn't matter the, the profession you are so give me some give us three ways you can keep that or two ways that you can keep that position interesting sure thing i think part of it's really tapping into self-development and so sure there's no i can't learn a new way of holding the suction mm -hmm. or deliver medicaments to <laughs> to the dentist but what i can do is start tapping into my own personal self-awareness like the other members of the team as well because we all have this value of growth and the reason why i came and worked here is because we shared the same values that being one of them and because of the fact that we are all pushing toward this constant and never any improvement journey together that we're all just wanting to be better. We want to have that feeling of progress. And so we're doing all the things, all the tasks throughout our day, functionally the same way, but we're putting bells and whistles on all of them. So we are getting, we're doing everything to a higher degree, to a higher standard with a little bit more innovative aspect to it. And we are all achieving and growing in our roles gaining greater satisfaction, delivering a stronger performance for the patient, a stronger experience for the patient. And the owners of the practice, the leaders of the practice are all helping to support us and be enthusiastic about our growth as well. And when I mentioned earlier that 
there are four main areas that we really do need to embrace if we wanted to experience this kind of progress within our working days, our working environments and our own personal life. Those four areas, if we don't challenge ourselves to really look at that and embrace the, these four areas, we will subconsciously put a break on growth. And so you, we can talk about this value of growth and implement this value of growth, but we really do need to extrapolate that out and say, well, what does it actually mean on a day-to-day -day level for us individually as people to make sure that this value does roll out uh, within the organisation? The first element of growth is mistakes. We need to be able to make mistakes in order to grow. And one of the common mm -hmm. misconceptions when we are managing a team is that when they make mistakes, it's a bad thing and they've got to be told off for that or there's got to be some sort of retribution around that. And sometimes there is a bit of finger pointing. That person made a mistake. Like, you know, look how bad they are in comparison to me. I didn't make any mistakes. I must be great. And there, who's that great basketball coach, John... John, John Wooden. 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 And he says, yeah, yep. if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. And so making right. mistakes is 100%. an indication that you are functioning outside the box, that you're pushing yourself that little bit further, that you're striving to be doing things a little bit differently. And so with that, we make mistakes. There's not one skill any of us have developed that we've developed without making mistakes. Mistakes are just part of learning. And so to okay. shift the way your practice manages mistakes is the first step in order to really foster this value of growth in your organisation. The second step is incompetence. So when we look at our journey of learning, we always go from, have you heard of the unconscious incompetence through to conscious, con unconscious competence? This is a fantastic sure, yeah. process that we all go through whenever we learn something new. First of all, we are unconsciously incompetent. We don't know what we're not good at because we haven't realised that we need to grow or develop in that particular area before. And it's, using the analogy sure. of when you're learning to drive a car is fantastic. When we're six years old, we are unconscious about how we don't know how to drive a car. Then we hit 16, 17, right. we become very conscious of where our incompetencies lie because we're sitting in the driver's seat for the first time. We don't know how much pressure to put on the brake, on the accelerator. We don't know how to turn the wheel and, and look at the, over our shoulder at the same time. We have got a lot of incompetency in that space and we've become very conscious of it. Now, when we think about learning a new computer software system for the first time, suctioning for the first time, answering the telephone to patients when you're young for the first time, when you're a dentist and you're jumping in there doing fillings for the first time. It is such an uncomfortable space to be very aware of what you're not good at. And it's that step that pushes a lot of us away from wanting to grow. We want to grow consciously, but subconsciously that's one of the areas where we put a break in saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm wanting right. to grow, but only if it's easy, only if I'm still comfortable with myself in there. And I think the key is to really recognise that that space is very short-lived because the very next thing you get into is conscious competence. You're still thinking about what you're doing, but you're doing it. You're getting better at it. You're developing your confidence in it. You're driving around the streets now. 
and you're quite aware of the fact when you need to put the brakes on, how much pressure to put the brake on, et cetera. And so we're quite comfortable with conscious competence and we're certainly comfortable with the fourth step, which is unconscious competence. We know it so well, we don't even have to think about it consciously anymore. It's all second nature. And so that's the second step that we need to really embrace in order to have this value of growth. And that is becoming very comfortable <laughs> with incompetency and recognizing it's very short lived. And it is short lived until we get to the, the third step, practice and repetition. We need to embrace the concept of practice and repetition to master any kind of skill. And again, what I've seen in dental teams is they're not given the opportunity to practice, 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 repeat and actually get better at something. Someone says something to somebody, I've taught them how to do this thing. I retaught them, they've learned twice, they should be doing it perfectly now, they must be stupid. <laughs> but it's right. not the case, they just need that opportunity to practice and get better at what they're doing because their own expression of doing it physically, their brain is kicking into action, trying to find the most productive, efficient and stress-free way of rolling it out in the future. So they get better and better results. And that's a journey that takes that to, to roll out that task over and over again. And that's what shifts us from conscious incompetency to conscious competence and unconscious competence very quickly if we're given that opportunity. And the final concept to really embrace is feedback. Whether we're delivering feedback or receiving mm. feedback, traditionally it's been a very uncomfortable space for both sides. However, what growth is, is that we are constantly identifying areas for potential growth. And we, in our very right. limited capacities as individuals, we can see some opportunities for growth when we make mistakes or we stumble or we get a bad result and we go, ah, that's an area that we could improve, improve in. But we're still just tapping into our own resources, our own personal resources to know how to get better. And in order to look at all aspects, possibly hidden aspects of what our behaviours are, actions, characteristics are that are either helpful or unhelpful moving forward, we need to start asking other people because we are only aware of what we're aware about. And if we want to really grow and fast track that and make it profound, asking other people around us to share their observations with us can be truly impactful as well as tapping into all of their resources, their experiences to help us identify what's the next best helpful thing I can do in my world in this specific area. And the feedback is a wonderful growth opportunity. It certainly fosters that, that value of growth, but being trained and doing on such a repetitive basis, all of your team members are being trained into to delivering feedback effectively as well that can certainly help a team as a whole improve and get better all the time. Yep. So, you know, you talk about learning something new. So learning this and implementing this as a practice manager, as a practice owner, it's not going to be comfortable, right? It's going to take some time to do mm -hmm. it. But on the flip side of that, it's going to be a lot more painful and it's going to be a constant thing from now until eternity as we know it anyways, right? As long as we're around, I think, hiring is going to be an issue, right? The world is getting smaller and there's so many opportunities for people. So this is something that makes sense to tackle today or three years ago, right? In hindsight, um, as opposed to um, waiting. So let me, let me follow up with this one. We're about out of time. So um, I know you're a consultant in Australia. Um, I do think you work with clients 
across the globe. Is that correct? I do. Yeah, awesome. So let me let me ask you this question and real quick. If you're trying to find somebody to help you with this, to help you with um, staffing or any area of building your practice, um, what's a way? What's a good way to to vet and hire uh, a consultant to work with you? That's a great question, and I think it does come back down to one of those old school ways of finding good resources, and that is ask the people around you. Jump onto the Facebook groups, ask your colleagues, have you used a consultant? What was the experience like and what kind of results did they generate for you? I don't think anything can really assure you, like look for these five elements, because everything's so customizable. And there could be a fantastic consultant that got ter terrific results for a particular group of clients because those clients were happy fitting into that process, their program, for example, that's, that is um, created broadly to cater for all sorts of needs for different practices. But I think consultants that really do what they can to customise it to one specific practice with their unique patient base, with their unique team members and unique challenges as well. I think that is a fantastic way to go. I think getting somebody who's very experienced is a wonderful way to go, but that kind of caters for itself a little bit. So you can enjoy lower fees with consultants as they're starting out and be part of their learning journey. So you're still getting their education, you're still benefiting from their insights, uh, but they're not as experienced because the more experience a consultant has, of course, sure. the price goes up marketedly. And so you're always going to get value if your intention is to get value. Some places you go and you think, gosh, you know, why do you even pay me for my advice? <laughs> I'm not going to do anything with it. But if you take any lessons from something helpful, you were mentioning a fantastic book earlier. If you have the intention to take value from it and roll it out in your practice so you see the results, then you're going to benefit from it. So I think word of mouth is a fantastic way to go. And if you've got the funds, the funding, the allocation of funds to be able to do it, get a, a, a very experienced consultant is, a, is a, also a very effective path to take. Awesome. Great advice. One more time. Let me, uh, website is uh, julieparkerpracticesuccess.com. Um, check it out. Links on our website. Um, of course, join in the conversation on social media. And last time, um, one more thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I really appreciated the invitation again. Thank you so much, Patrick. And I love your podcast. I hope everyone out there is a subscriber. It's yeah. just tremendous. Awesome. Thank you so much.